Our next guest seems to have done it all. I want you to welcome Katie Decker. She received her BA in biology and master's in speech pathology from the University of Northern Iowa. She founded and operates Midwest Dyspatia Diagnostics LLC, a mobile freeze company providing mobile swallowing studies to the state of Iowa. Katie has also worked in acute care, acute rehabilitation, and skilled nursing. Katie specializes in dysphagia and is certified in endoscopy and is a provider of the McNeil Dysphagia Therapy Program. Katie has served as the VP of Continuing Education for the Iowa Speech Language Hearing Association since 2019. And in her spare time, she enjoys hiking, rock climbing, and walking with her Chihuahua Chi-Chi. That just sounds like a fun time, no matter who you are walking with a chihuahua named Chi-Chi and having a background like Katie has just sounds like so much fun. So let's welcome our next guest, Katie. Hello and welcome to the Missing Link for the SLPs podcast. I am so glad you are here. Today's episode is part of the Medical SLP series where we talk to some amazing speech paths who work in a variety of medical settings, all the way from intensive care through to home care and everything else in between and beyond. You're gonna hear some incredible medical SLP stories and lots of advice from these passionate medical SLPs. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. We're so glad you're here and you're from the Midwest like me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So tell us, I already have done your your bio and your intro. Tell us who you are and why you became a speech pathologist. Yeah, so I decided to become a speech pathologist just because I knew I wanted to work in the medical field, but um, there are certain things that make me a little queasy. So um, some of those jobs were out, um, but I learned about um, dysphagia therapy and I really um, got very interested in it because I just can see how swallowing and eating and drinking is so closely tied to our quality of life. Mm -hmm. And um, so if I could in any way help people to enjoy those things more, I thought that was a great opportunity. So you find that the work you do makes a big difference in the, with the patients that you work with. I hope so. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, not so much with COVID now, but when we were able to get together, you know, gatherings are almost always around eating or drinking. And um, so you see some of those people that get to enjoy those gatherings again. um, And I just think that's great. You know, I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but one of the reasons why I enjoyed doing the swallowing work that I do is for those couples who are, I know so many of them who have raised their children, done the careers, settling into their retirement years, and one of them has a significant swallowing difficulty, so they no longer eat together anymore, which is so hard because they're often the only ones moving around in the house, and so if it's the husband that's had the stroke, the wife will take her dinner and eat elsewhere, and 
even just sitting across from the table and, and sharing that common time is so important and necessary in these day-to-day interactions we have with our family members and loved ones. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really great point. Yeah. So tell us where you got your degree from and where you've been since you've been practicing. Yeah. So I got my undergrad degree from the University of Northern Iowa, and I actually got my BA in biology. And I thought at first that I was going to get a career in biology, um, but I decided that it wasn't really for me and I wanted to go back to school. So I went back and got my master's in speech language pathology, also from the University of Northern Iowa. And um, I did my externships in Denver, Colorado. So I was lucky enough to have a internship at the University of Colorado Hospital and then Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital out there. Um, And then I spent some time after graduation just living and working out there and enjoying uh, the weather and the scenery out there. It's much um, better than Iowa. (laughs) Yes, I have a son who lives in Denver. And uh, in fact, he's home visiting just for Mother's Day. He's like, Mom, you've got to move out to Denver sometime because the weather is just so beautiful. It really is. It can be cold, but it doesn't feel that cold. And unlike Iowa, it will snow and the snow is gone instead of hanging around for three months. So I really enjoyed that. I was really happy you came on. Um, you volunteered to be on the guest today because you were part of the a day in the life of a medical SLP. And you are coming on as a fees specialist. You own and operate your own mobile fees company, correct? Correct. Midwest Dysphagia Diagnostics, yeah, you do a lot of swallowing studies. Um, tell us about oh, you. You do all swallowing studies. That's what Fees does. Um, tell us what a typical day looks like for you as a Fees specialist with her own mobile company. Yeah, so I would say each day is pretty different and it's pretty unpredictable. I usually only know what I'm going to do a couple days in advance, which is fine. Um, So normally I'll just go out to my first facility and meet up with the treating SLP there and we'll have a discussion about the patient that um, they want me to see. Uh, And then we'll go and talk to the patient, explain the procedure, um, answer any questions, and then we'll go ahead and, and start the examination. And then afterwards is where the real work really starts um, because we have to do the interpretation of the video. And that can take a lot of time because we do frame by frame Mm -hmm. review um, Mm -hmm. in order to come up with the best recommendations. What has been one of the most rewarding parts of your career in this setting? I just think helping out other SLPs in the rural areas is the most rewarding because those um, SLPs have patients that need swallow studies and it's difficult to get to a hospital that offers those. You know, it can be a eight hour day for a 15 minute test for the patient. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes those can't be scheduled for weeks. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to provide the information to those SLPs that they need so that they are able to treat these patients effectively. I think that's the best part. 
um, you know, people, I, I hear from the other speech pathologists how much they appreciate me, but I just appreciate them just as much back. So, sure. So this is a question that I, I honestly don't know the answer to. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how to couch it. Um, when you have a patient, for example, um, in the past we've, I, cause I work Fridays at an outpatient clinic and we do our, our fees. And in the past, we've had patients who are referred to us for a modified and they can't make it for whatever reason, but they live at home. Can you go to a patient's home to do the fees or do you have to go to another medical facility like a skilled nursing center? That depends on the state. So in Iowa, we can go into the home and do fees. Other states, you can't. So it just kind of depends where you are. Good. I excellent to know the answer to that. So then I can, as a speech pathologist, reach out to somebody like you who has a mobile fees company in my state and say, I'd like to pass this referral on to you. Yep, absolutely. So that's an example of, of good collaborative work. Where do your, how, how many patients do you see in a typical day? Usually I only see one or two. Um, two is the maximum unless they're really in the same area just because of the time spent reviewing the video and then the time spent driving from one place to the next. Um, usually two is the maximum that I can see in a day. And you're rural Iowa? Yes. All right. Yeah. Where do you get your referrals from? Uh, usually it's always the speech language pathologist that will refer to me. Um, I do serve some facilities that don't have full-time speech language pathologists. So in that case, it's nursing that will notice something going on and then will have me come in and do the examination. And then if that person did need therapy services, then they would bring in, uh, like a PRN therapist or something like that to provide the therapy. How did you decide you wanted to start your own company as a, with your mobile fees? Um, it, it definitely wasn't an easy decision, um, you know, kind of. <laughs> Apparently not because you've got this smile on your face. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah. So I actually was able to hear doc, uh, Dr. Ashford speak about um, the fees that they do down in Nashville. And I just thought it was a really neat opportunity. And I looked around Iowa and there was definitely a need for those services. And so I thought, well, I guess I can do it, you know? And so I spent a long time learning and taking classes just to make sure that I wasn't crazy, um, stepping out and doing that. And yeah, i I don't regret the decision at all, even though it's been really difficult. Um, and I also really love that I do just work for myself. And so all the decisions that I make aren't based on, you know, corporate or productivity or anything like that. I can just make those decisions based on what's best for the patients. So, so deciding to step into private practice was a decision based on you wanting to control your day, your patients, your career. Absolutely. Yes. How many years were you practicing before you started your own mobile fees? 
I was practicing for about three and a half years before I started the process of the company. It was about four and a half years that I was practicing before the company was really up and off the ground. And did you, how did you come upon mobile fees? You know, I, um, at our, one of our state conventions, I was able to hear Dr. John Ashford speak about his mobile fees. I think his presentation was like fun with fees or something like that. And I just thought it was very interesting. Um, and so I did more research and, um, was able to connect with some other mobile fees providers and just ask a whole bunch of questions. And and then it just kind of turned out that it it was going to be something that would work for me. Excellent. So you've mentioned that you do one or two in a day and you probably, you sometimes don't find out until a couple of days before. Tell me, can you walk us through what a typical day for you looks like? Yeah. So I'll get the referral for a patient and I'll um, conference with the the treating SLP, and I'll travel out to their facility. Um, once there, we conference about what the patient needs, what the SLP is seeing, you know, why they wanted the fees examination, and then we'll complete that examination. And then afterwards, I stay and review um, the video and write a report for the SLP to leave at the facility that day. And that's the clinical part. But I also serve as an accountant or a marketing specialist, an IT person, a supply manager, customer service. I'm an infection control person for the company. So each day there's all this extra stuff that I never thought I'd have to know about that all of a sudden I do. (laughs) That's good to know those extra um, dynamics or extra tasks that come in. What time do you normally start your day? Usually I'll start around 7.30. I don't start the fees examinations that early. Um, Usually people don't like to do that when they first get up in the morning. Um, So in the morning, that's where I take care of more of the business side of things. And then um, usually I'll start the fees examinations at the earliest around nine o'clock. So for the person who is interested in starting their own mobile fees, what are some of the steps and recommendations you can give them? Um, I say the first thing is just to make sure that you take all the education Um, that you can in regards to dysphagia. So really getting that base of knowledge is important. Um, Mm -hmm. And then after that, so you have to take a two-day course, um, an introductory course and able to be um, competent with fees. Mm -hmm. And then you have to go through your competency training. um, And usually that lasts about a week, but it can definitely vary based on the person and the setting and what kind of experience you have. Um, So getting that education out of the way is the most important. And you also have to have been um, treating in the medical setting for at least three years before you start fees. I did not know that. It's good to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They um, passing the scope is the easy part. Mm -hmm. Um, Interpreting the video is the difficult part. And so that's where you really need that background knowledge and that experience with different 
patient populations, you know, different diagnoses, those kind of things before you are able to um, interpret those videos. Do you ever work closely with physicians or ENTs? I, I know a lot of other mobile fees providers that work with ENTs. I don't currently, but I do work closely with physicians. I work at a, a few rural acute care hospitals that don't have access to modified barium swallow studies. And so when I'm consulted to come to those places, I do work directly with the physicians, the hospitalists, or the nurse practitioners that are um, providing the care for those patients. How much, uh, what's the cost of starting your own mobile fees? Um, the biggest cost is probably the equipment. Sure. Um, so based on if you want a fiber optic or a distal chip, but how, um, what options you want with it, it can range anywhere from 20 to $40,000 for the equipment. Um, and that might have changed. I've been out of the market for a little while, but, and then the training itself, you know, a two day class can be, you know, it's at least, I would say a few hundred, $500, the competency training, um, is a few thousand dollars as well and can be more based on your situation. So all in, I would plan probably around $50,000. My goodness. So at what point then, Katie, did you know that you wanted to, to branch off into providing this? Did you like have this idea coming up through your clinical fellowship, or did you know about it in your in your in your undergrad or in graduate program? Where did you learn about? I know you, Dr. Ashford. Um, I've, I've doubled that back and asked that couple of question time a couple of times. But at what point in time in your journey did this light bulb go off, and you're like, "This is a great idea. This is what I want to do." Yeah. Um, so I didn't know about mobile fees when I was in grad school. And when I was completing my CFY, after that, I may have heard about it here and there, but it wasn't something that I had ever gotten to use the service of. Um, so I had this idea for the for a while that I wanted to start this business, but I just wasn't really ready to um, pull the trigger, I guess, and take the risk of stopping getting a reliable paycheck each week from my employer. Um, but I was talking with my significant other one day and he does a lot of his own business things, or he does a lot of his own entrepreneurial things. And he really inspired me to take the chance and to go forward with my own business. I know we've had private practice speech pathologists on here, and I'm always just, I'm, I'm not sure what the right word would be, but grateful for the commitment level that you take, because that is stepping, you know, you're not stepping off a ledge, but you're really stepping into providing a service that, that you feel is needed, which that's great. That's great to believe in what you do and in our profession. Yeah, I, I'm really happy that I am able to provide the services, you know, in the way 
that I would like to, you know, mm-hmm. in the way that the patients need it. Yeah. So this is a good interview because it's opening these doors for people who might not know about some of these private practice opportunities. It seems to me like owning your own private practice has been rewarding because you've been able to determine your schedule and 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 really call the shots according to you. What has been some of the drawbacks of private practice? Just having a real conversation. You know, the unpredictability is difficult. You know, sometimes you can be super busy one week and then the next week have nothing. Um, 2020 with COVID was a huge challenge. You know, we can't do fees through telepractice. Mm -mm. So that really um, slowed business down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those challenges, you just have to be okay um, and just continue to move forward despite the the challenges that you have instead of just giving up. You know, you are going to have those days where you're not sure why you did what you did and why you made these decisions, but then other days you're really sure about it. Um, And then also just only having yourself really to rely on for everything can be intimidating. You know, I have to make sure that my infection control lines up with the state and with the CDC and with JCO. You know, I have to make sure that I'm following billing regulations, that I'm, I know how to build my website and fix that if it breaks. So it's, can be really intimidating at times. The good thing is, is that, you know, there's a big community of mobile fees providers from around the country, and we are all ready to help each other however we can. And I just think that's so wonderful. Good to know. Yeah. Favorite resources then? I read a lot of articles each week. So I really enjoy going to the literature. I would say some of the articles that I really enjoy, um, the three pillars of pneumonia, of course, by Dr. Ashford, basically anything that Dr. Langford has written about fees, um, and especially that her articles about the predictors of pneumonia is a big one that I always show to people. Um, there's an article just about aspiration and aspiration pneumonia that's written by a pulmonologist. I, I forget, I don't have the author right now, but that's also a really, um, it offers a different perspective on aspiration and pneumonia and how they're connected and, and not connected. So, Would you find that and then send it in an email? Yeah. And then put that out there on the show notes. That would be neat. Yeah, I, I will find it. I love learning because I had to I had to smile because you said oh, I love to read a lot of articles. And then I was thinking you were gonna say every month. <laughs> and you said every week. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I have a whole binder that I keep together with all of my articles so that I can yeah. save them and have them there. And um a lot of times the SLPs that I work with will call mm-hmm. me and say, do you have an article on this? Or I want to talk to my supervisor or my administrator about thick and liquids. What do you have? And I'm like, just wait, let me get my list out and let me send you some articles. So 
Excellent. Well, you, if you want to share some of those with, with us, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, Fresh SLP is all about sharing resources and providing just a safe community to ask these questions for these new grads and transitioning SLPs. It's really a collaborative effort between me and, and you know, experienced clinicians like you and everybody else. Just that's why that resource question is so important. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, when I was in grad school, I was afraid almost mm-hmm. to ask practicing clinicians questions mm-hmm. or for help. Um, but I think we need to remember that speech-language pathology is a helping profession. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we all, I would say, in general, are ready and willing to help out new grads and students however we can. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I would just say to students and new grads, don't be afraid to ask if you can come and hang out for a day with someone. Don't be afraid to ask for that job shadow or um, to ask someone like, hey, could you mentor me on this topic that I just feel like I'm not quite ready to treat independently yet? Good words of advice. Ask for what you need and want and be brave in that asking. Yeah. And also know who you can ask, because sometimes it's not such a friendly world out there. True. And if you run into a situation that's not as friendly, just being resilient and moving on and asking somebody else. Absolutely. You you know, you might not find the person that is a good fit for you, the first person that you ask, but you definitely will find that person out there. Mm-hmm. So you are the VP of Continuing Education for your Iowa, Minnesota, uh, Iowa, Minnesota. Sorry, I'm on the, <laughs> I'm on the Minnesota Speech and Hearing Board. <laughs> we are friends, we're neighbors, but we're not the same. So Iowa Speech and he- Speech Hearing, Speech Language Hearing Association. <laughs> I really messed that up. Would you like to tell us what you do for your state? Sure. So I am the Vice President of Continuing Education for the Iowa Speech-Language Hearing Association. So I am responsible for helping to plan the convention and getting speakers and coming up with topics that are the best for our members. I'm also um, active in finding other opportunities for our members and just for SLPs wherever um, for learning and collaborating. Um, Recently, I started a collaboration with iSmile, which is a program for um, advocating for oral care. They're a group of dental hygienists with the Department of Public Health. And um, I think it's a perfect pairing for us because we are both so passionate about oral care. And so the opportunities that I get for collaborating with other professionals around the country and around the state is just so rewarding. I've Mm -hmm. learned so much, um, not just about medical SLP, but, you know, about pediatrics and schools and even audiology. Um, And just being on the board itself too, is very rewarding because I feel like I am taking an active role in advocating for our profession in the state, you know, and in the places that we work. And just being around a group of such diverse professionals and being able to come together, you know, each month or each quarter to talk about 
different issues is really enlightening because, you know, I learn about things that I never would have thought about before. Mm-hmm. Serving on my board for Mincha, one of the things, I, I guess early in my career, I never would have thought that I would even sit on a board or be able to do the things I'm doing nowadays. And when I meet people like you and other people on my board and, and other people who've just done amazing things with, with their careers, we are all just speech pathologists who enjoy what we do and want to make our profession better and our patients' lives better and be better at what we're doing. So we're all, we have this common thread um, and we pull together our strengths in whatever areas we're at. I was surprised at how normal the other speech paths and audiologists that I work with on the board are. They're just like me. Yeah, that's so true. It was definitely intimidating thinking about, you know, when I was thinking about joining the board because I thought, you know, who who am I? I'm not, you know, advanced enough in my career. I'm not, you know, a university professor or something like that, you know. Um, but like you said, that's not how it is. You know, yeah, there are some professors, there are some audiologists, there's school SLPs, there's outpatient SLPs. It's just such a good mix. And I think that's so important that you have a good mix. That way you really do represent all of your members. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well said. So you've given us some advice. You've given us some reflection. You've given us some of your challenges. What has been one of your most rewarding things since starting your mobile fees? I would say the most rewarding thing for me is when I am able to see someone that is on a feeding tube and to tell them that they don't need the feeding tube anymore. Um, You know, that's a huge change for that person Mm -hmm. and just seeing how happy they are about that change. And then also for the treating SLP, you know, to know that what they were doing with this patient worked and made them better. And um, now that person is able to enjoy eating and drinking again. Well, this is a great place to end our podcast. Very inspirational that a speech pathologist can start in undergrad, go through grad school and be where you are today with having your own private practice and sitting on the Iowa um, Speech Language Hearing Association board and really making a difference in the world. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. Today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP. Continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the missing link for SLP's podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You've got this.